Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. So if you listened to Exploring Missions last week, uh, you heard a uh, a very interesting, engaging story from a a gentleman uh, with Vapor Ministries, and his name is Micah McKelvin, and Micah is with me today. And we're going to uh, follow up what you heard from last week with a, a, an interview today. And so we're glad that Micah is here today on Exploring Missions. This is Nathan Harper. Uh, Micah, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's my privilege to be with you all this morning. We uh, are excited about this. If you did not get to catch the uh, episode from last week, you can go back on the podcast, uh, listen to that, and then you want to hear this one. We're not going to say a lot of the same things. Some of it will be the same, and a lot of it will be different. But we're excited that you're joining in with us. Micah, uh, as we start, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and your family? And uh, I know uh, you've got a wonderful young family and a growing family. Tell us a little bit about them. Yeah, so my name's uh, Micah McKelvin. I'm married to an amazing gal, my bride, uh, Audrey McKelvin. Um our headquarters of ministry is uh, here in Sylacauga, Alabama, but our work is in Africa and Haiti. In our family, we also have two children. Our son is uh, Arrow Amani McElvin. He is a couple years old. And then we have a little baby girl, Given uh, Gracia. So family right. of four. So a newborn and a two-year-old. So you guys probably don't get a whole lot of sleep at home, do you? Well, you know, my, my wife, she definitely shoulders the the burden, the majority of the burden. And so, uh, but yeah, things are a little different on the house, but it's good. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, you know, if, if we've heard last week or if, you, if you're new this week and you haven't heard the story, can you summarize real quick a synopsis of kind of what your life was like growing up and maybe how God kind of did something in an amazing way maybe a difficult way to uh, really change the trajectory of your life. Yeah, so um, grew up in a home where the gospel was platformed and and the notion of living for the glory of God was very real. For me personally, had a crazy passion for sports, and eventually that passion became idolatry, and the love of a game took an improper place in my heart. And on October 9th, 1996, that was stripped away when I learned very personally the reality that life is but a vapor and I'd been given a short time to invest that life and what matters forever, the glory of God. Um, that that awakening to, to life being incredibly short came through a near-death experience. I dove into a wave, shattered four vertebrae in my neck and drowned. Uh, My body was found about five to seven minutes later, lifeless, and uh, was life-flighted to a hospital and and began a journey of first trying to survive uh, and then function as a quadriplegic, and then from there uh, function with limited mobility and 
And through that, uh, my eyes were open to the gift of life, um, the brevity of life, and the opportunity I had to live it uh, on purpose for God's purposes. Mm. Really incredible story. And, um, you know, in, in my mind, I'm thinking of, you know, a lot of times I've heard your story and, and you make the jump from the, that experience of dying and, and really being brought back. And, and then we jump to what you're doing now and the ministry that's, that God has given you. But I'm wondering in my mind about the struggle in between uh, like rehab and, and just therapy and the physical, maybe even a lot of emotional issues that you've had to deal with. How do you think, and I don't even know how long that took, how long was that a process of? Um, so let me, let me fill in some gaps. So I'd say the, the big thing for, uh, on October 9th, 1996 for me, as far as life transformation was coming to that reality that mm. life's a vapor and that I'm either going to waste it or invest it. And, and then from there, this pursuit of, I want to invest it began. Mm. Um, and, and so what does it mean to invest it? Mm-hmm. What is a life well invested? What, what does a life look like? If it, what is a, a life well lived look like? And for me, that became clear that I needed to live that, sh- that life to invest it. Well, I needed to live it meeting needs of others mm-hmm. and, and feeding souls, right? So advancing the gospel and caring for the souls that are caring for, for uh, people that were struggling uh, and, and to do that in such a way that God was elevated, right? So that those principles became solidified. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. And then now back to your point, how do you pursue those things? How do you, inv- how do you pursue the investing of your life in different seasons? And while a purpose emerged, trial still mm. remained. Yeah. Uh, a lot of rehab, a lot of physical, emotional, just psychological challenge in, in navigating a season. And so I would say that as purpose emerged, it actually helped me even get through that season. Yeah. So the and purpose so, was driving you in, in that in some way. Oh, absolutely. The purpose was huge. Why am I here? Why did this happen? Um, what, how does it fit into the grand narrative? Like, how do I make sense of this? Is purpose pushed itself to the front of the mind and heart, the ability to navigate a complex and very challenging season became easier and easier, even though things were hard. So now, you know, if I, if I say, okay, with that, what did it look like? Uh, yeah, I woke up. Uh, so within the first week, I came to. So I was initially, you know, basically in a comatose state. Not exactly, but we'll just call right. it that. In the first week, I came to, and I was in ICU, and I was a total, total quad, totally quadriplegic. Couldn't wow. even breathe on my own. First thing I could move in my body was my right big toe. Oh wow! Um, I was uh, basically entered a period of intense inpatient occupational therapy, physical therapy, and psychological therapy. Just kind of a, ho- a holistic, like how's the mind? How can mm. we help him with his body? All that type of stuff, and so. I was in that facility there at uh, Tampa General for the better part of two months, um, and it was just intense rehab. My legs started to come back somewhat. I was in what's called a halo, so I was mm. um, had screws in my head and was uh, in a, a constrained brace. Um, I was in a halo for three months. I was in an aspen neck brace for three months, so six months in track, like in traction, I like couldn't move my head. 
Um, I was in in one hospital for a couple months, another hospital for shy of a month, and then in rehab for the better part of a a year and a half as far as outpatient in multiple facilities. So, yeah, there was this very protracted period of life being totally altered, managing pain, a lot of chronic pain, um, uh, managing a a rigorous uh, rehab schedule. Um, uh, And as I shared with you, um, as purpose began to emerge, like I, that, that helped, Mm. like, I've got reasons to to try to get better. I've got yeah. reasons to that that were different than my previous reasons. Now I wanted to be able to utilize my limbs uh, not just for my glory on a basketball court or in a football field. Now I wanted to get as healthy as I could uh, because God had given me a second chance at life, and I wanted to be able to serve serve oh. others more effectively. And yeah. so. So yeah, so it was a elongated period. I still have some paralysis today, yeah. but uh, by God's grace, He's given me back so much. Uh, just some miraculous healing granted, and then just a little bit by little bit granted through the through the work of great therapists and 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 a great support team, and mm-hmm. and uh, and now I've got a wife that loves me despite my my little physical issues, you yeah. know, related to that day. So well, that's awesome. I'm wondering how. How did the struggle and struggles that you've dealt with help you understand other people that are struggling in in desperate situations, whether financial poverty or just needing another meal? Yeah. Even physical issues and mental issues. Yeah. Great, great question. So I would answer that by saying kind of doing the before and after. So I, I, again, having great parents, you know, that, that taught us to love people and and modeled that for us. Fortunately, I had that foundation. Mm. For me personally, I was so focused on my personal aspirations uh, related to sports and fame and all that type of stuff that honestly, like my world revolved around that. So I was the popular kid. I hung with the popular kids. I, right. I was a captain on the football team, the captain, you know, the shortstop, the pitcher, like everything I did had a notoriety, popularity. And so I actually just missed the vast majority of the human race, right? Yeah. Um, like my world revolved around my small clique. Mm-hmm. And so the the marginalized, the disenfranchised, the the kids that had, you know, those that had physical ailments or struggles or were in, you know, different demographics than mine, just they, they weren't top of mind. And I really honestly just passed them. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, mean right. per se. It just was was not even in my mind. Um, and what happened over time was we moved from where I was well known as an athlete to a place where I was a nobody. I'm at a school of a couple thousand and I'm just a crippled kid. I'm just a kid that can't touch his face. And now all of a sudden I was the kid that I used to pass by. Oh, wow. So this whole notion of right the like the major, you know only there's only 500 players in the NFL right the right. rest of us can't compete at that level the rest level. of us are clapping at <laughs> that's right that's right out. yeah and so um it just it was it was eye opening very personally like now i was the one that couldn't get on any team couldn't get picked by anybody you know and it was so healthy for me mm-hmm. it was so healthy for me because i had the brain i had the mind and the experience the understanding of before and it was like wow if i had this to do over Here's how I do it. And, but, and now I had a fresh start. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it was very formative. Like, what are all the struggles that people are going through physically, emotionally, psychologically? What does it look like to be down and out? And, and though, you know, my parents were middle, middle class, so I wasn't struggling with, like, not being able to get food personally. 
I was given a um, an experience set that it was just taking now one more step to better relate to the marginalized that have a different skin color than me, that mm-hmm. are of a different ethnic background, that are facing different things, but I could better understand. Yeah, awesome. You mentioned kind of feeling down and out and relating to those that are down and out, and God's shaped that in you and and shown you what the Bible says, that God is close to those that are down and out. God is close to the brokenhearted. How did you get from that point and through some healing and and recovery and God giving you that purpose, how did that lead you to Africa and the slums and beginning Vapor Ministries? How did all that take place? Yeah, that's, that's that's a good question. So first I'll cap off what we were talking about with this reality that Every life matters. God's thumbprint, God's DNA is in every human being that mm-hmm. has been created. And I was the one missing, missing, right. you know, the beauty of God in people that were just different than me. Um, so the first step was like, wow, that piece. And so then now, like, so how did that start to move into the slums? Well, if God's thumbprint and his compassion, his care, his dignity, right? his, his DNA, if you will, is in, is in every being that's been created, then no doubt he deeply cares for the 1.3 billion that are living on less than $1.25 a day. And as I begin to look into God's word and see his heart for, yes, all mankind, but then his heart specifically for the poor, the uniquely marginalized, the uniquely disenfranchised, like it, it was compelling. Mm. Like over 400 times in Scripture, God, you hear commands and calls from God for His people to care for the poor. Yeah. Uh, and so God loves everybody. His dignity, are in, uh, His dignity and thumbprint are in all. I was missing that, right? God has unique things to say to His people about the poor and the marginalized, I need to engage that. Um, So philosophically, those were some of the connects. If I want my life to matter and God says that the poor matter to him, then I need to come his way. I need to come their way. And so all of that was part of the journey. That's amazing. So we're talking today with Micah McKelvin with Vapor Ministries. And uh, again, if you haven't heard uh, the previous episode, you want to go back to the podcast and check that out to hear the story. We're Today in the interview, we're just kind of filling in some gaps from that. One of the parts of the story that I heard you share that I would love for you to talk about is, uh, and we're fast forwarding here to now we have Vapor Ministries has uh, how many ministry centers around the world? Yeah, so Vapor Ministries has currently five operating centers. That, that means the assets are fully built out, staff is in place, and we're, we're functioning. Uh, the smallest is on eight acres, largest is on about 17 acres. Okay. And then we have property in hand for a sixth center that we hope to break ground on. Now, in one of those centers, you met a, a little boy, young man. Now his name is Hasmin. Can you tell us a little bit about how you met Hasmin and recently his, his recent trip to Haiti and how he's uh, making disciples himself? Yeah, yeah. So... So to just kind of bridge to that, uh, what happened um, uh, once that connection with God's heart for the poor came just straight to my doorstep, I ended up going to Africa right. and spent one month 
living in a slum, stayed with nationals in the slum, stayed with the missionary family. No one knew who I was. And Did people think you were crazy to, uh, to do that? Some, yeah, yeah. yeah some definitely <laughs> was crazy. I was working on a master's in counseling. I, I went over Christmas break, mm. and I came back forever changed yeah. because the statistics you know, took on names and faces. Yeah. Uh, poverty became personal. The commands no longer were just philosophical. Yeah. It became my problem. It became something I was supposed to embrace. And I knew coming back from the slum that I was going to spend the rest of my life trying to forget what I saw mm. or to spend the rest of my life trying to do something about it. And wrestling in that tension, God birthed the vision we call Vapor Ministries. So moved to, actually dropped out of school and moved into my car. I lived in my car for eight months. In an eight-month period, God granted us a nonprofit, some resources. We crystallized the vision. And um, I was actually, we assembled a board. And then I, I moved to, to Kenya to execute on the, the idea God had given. And so lived on the edge of a slum. I didn't take a hot shower for a year. Lived oh, with wow. uh, two Kenyans, you know, eight on a dollar fifty a day. And man, it was a challenging year, but an amazing year. Uh, and by God's grace, so the plan during that year was to oversee the physical build out of the center, train and develop indigenous folks that would be the human resource that would drive a management when I left. And then third, to set up the operating components. So moved to, to try to execute on that. And by God's grace, it worked. Mm. It happened. Yep. And we opened up our first thriving ministry center in partnership with a local church there called Hope Church. And by God's grace, the ministry is flourishing today. Awesome. So that specific story really played out during that year of living on the ground. So while I was there, we were serving thousands and we continue to. But in every one of those, every one of those thousands is a one. Yeah. And every one, every one is a story, is a person, right? A person created by God that matters to him. So one of those little boys, one of those little kids, um, I was working on the field one day. A little boy named Hasmin uh, came up. He had um, tattered clothes on. Uh, his genitals weren't covered, just, mm. just a top. Yeah. Um, his hair was turning yellow. His eyes were late-stage yellow. I knew that those were signs of late-stage malnutrition in an African kid. Um, he smelled like a trash bin, um, and he was handing me money. Uh, he was which, giving money to which, you, which no one give just <laughs> willing. <laughs> no, pe- people don't often give me money. Let's just say, you know, that's a uh, and uh, and never had a, had a uh, never had a boy in Africa come and hand me money. And so I dropped a twenty shilling piece. He assumed, you know, he found this coin, assumed it was mine, brought it to me. And how old him, was he? Uh, about four years old. Wow. Um, there's actually no record of his birth, so we don't know exactly. Yeah. But um, so this little boy hands me um, the equipment. It's about 40 cents, 20 mm. shillings. And I give it back to him and say, you're honest, keep it. Well, that 40 cents at the time could buy him a meal a day wow. for four days. Uh, it, wow. it was uh, about 10 cents for a plate of ugali and skumawiki at the time. And uh, so this little boy pitter-pattered into the slum. Next day... This, this kid is in my face trying to show me something, but I don't recognize him. Mm. It was a kid from yesterday. The reason I didn't recognize Hasmin was because he had gone and got gotten his hair cut. Uh-huh. He would got lotion put on his skin. He wanted to feel the sensation of being clean. The little boy come to find out father died of AIDS, grandmother died of AIDS. His mother was thought to be dead of AIDS. He was four years old, approximately, living in a dump, homeless. That's why he smelled like a trash bin. 
knocking on people's doors at night, hoping somebody would stick out some food, like to a dog, like mm-hmm. some scraps. And he was literally surviving on the edge of death. And this kid gave me that money back. Wow. Um, so came alongside him, serving thousands, everyone matters, came alongside him, started catering to his basic needs as we found out his story. And man, God has done miracles. Little boys come to faith in Christ. He ended up becoming a disciple maker in the leagues. We were able to fund his education. He speaks three languages fluently now. We're <laughs> working on a college right now. Um, so right. I talked with him actually two days ago. And he's uh, and, you know, working on enrollment in some different schools locally. Found out he had two sisters. We're able to fund their education. Found his mom. We were able to get her some medicine, get her uh, a furnished home, a better dwelling place. And now uh, Hasmin, his desire is to make much of Christ with his life Amen. and live for human flourishing himself. And, and so you were talking about November. He actually flew over to Haiti with us. He'd, he'd earned his, hit his educational marks, hit his scripture memory marks. He'd hit the goals we laid right. out for him. And he earned a missionary venture trip to Haiti along with our leaders and there sought to make disciples. So. A lot of cool stories in the system, and Hasmin is one of those. So That's great. That's wonderful. So we don't have a whole lot of time, but just real briefly, give us a, an overview of the mission of, of Vapor Ministries. Yeah, yeah. So at the highest level, why do we exist? We like to say we exist to meet needs, uh, feed souls, and elevate God. So what we do as an entity, how we operationalize obedience, right, in alignment with that, is we go into slums or third world environments. And we establish centers. And these centers are places from which we alleviate poverty, multiply disciples, and seek to do that in ways that are more sustainable. Mm. So that's really, at the highest level, that's our why and our what. Yeah. Um, so if I could ask a couple of things. One is, and this would be a whole two other episodes if we had time, but real quickly, you said it took you a while to come to the point of understanding what the Bible teaches about poverty. And those living in poverty, I've heard it said that all poverty, it might not all be financial poverty, but all poverty is relational poverty. Have you seen that play out in in your work and seeing that people that are in poverty, ultimately, they're just not connected with the right people or they don't know people that can help them. And so it seems like that's what Vapor is doing is we're coming in, hey, we, we, we can introduce you to the ultimate person in Jesus, but also we want to know you and love you as well. Yes. So I don't know the, um, the, the, the specific implications of, of that particular statement because um, I haven't heard that often. So I really couldn't speak to that philosophy. But I would say that um, we believe that there is, there's physical poverty and spiritual poverty. Mm. And so when we talk about feeding souls, we're talking about making disciples, first introducing people to the love relationship that they can have with the one that made them and paid all of our sin debt on Calvary. And so we first believe, just unashamedly, it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ that begins when we place our faith and trust in Him and then moves into a disciple-making journey that is there's edification involved, right? Building up uh, people in the faith. So I've become a believer. What does it mean to walk with God? What does it mean to, to interact with a local church? What does it mean to, to study my Bible, right. to share the gospel with others? And the goal then is to just have a fully equipped 
disciple that's mm. walking in relationship with God, is walking in relationship with the local church, is walking in relationship with others on mission. Mm. Um, and so the spiritual man is key to the equation 110%. Yeah. We just don't believe that addressing this these issues is strictly about intellectual or heart transformation. And it's not just soul right. in mind, like the body matters. And the scripture is clear yeah. on that, Amen. right? He That's says, right. what good is it if you say to someone who is, in essence, poor, what what good is it if you say, if you say, I'll pray for you, yeah. be well, and be, yeah. you know. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> what, what good is it if you strictly say, hey, Jesus loves you and I want you to know that. I mean, while that is of intense eternal value, God also calls us to care for the physical man. Uh, and so we we don't, we don't get lost really in the the arguments, right? Yeah. Do you care about the soul or do you care about the man? We just say, yes, yes. You know, so we care about man and soul, and we're just not going to, we're not going to get caught up in the the headlines yeah. of the the people that say social gospel or pure evangelism. Yeah. It's like that's their issue. Like for us, we're going to obey Jesus, and we're going to care about people's soul. And we're going to care about people's body and we're going to do it in season, out of season all the time. Amen. And a lot of those debates, you know, about either or seem to be from people who haven't seen it firsthand, <laughs> you know, haven't experienced it and and know what that's about. Or at times, uh, folks that have had negative, um, extreme experiences. Yeah, right? that's so true. sure, there's a whole group of people that are doing great things to touch people physically, but have abandoned core tenets of the faith. Mm. Uh, and don't embrace uh, timeless truths of God's word and aren't after the, the spiritual transformation that Jesus is after. And so we don't, we, we are thankful for the fact that they care about the physical man, but we don't agree that you, sh- you should leave behind the other. And then there's also people that are all about, you know, intellectual transformation and are driving evangelism. And, and we agree with that that should be yeah. driven, but we don't agree that you should over respond and all of a sudden, sometimes even demonize a people that are focused also on caring for the poor. It's just a That's both right. hand always. always. It's not an either or. Yeah. Jesus always said, preach and heal. That's right. Not one or the other. That's it's right. It's both. We're thankful that Vapor Ministries does both and does both well. Mm. How can our listeners today connect with you, connect with Vapor how can they get engaged and involved in what, what the work is? Is there a website or a yes. way to do that? Yeah, so I would direct you to vaporministries.org. So vaporministries.org. Check that out. For folks saying, hey, we, uh, we're interested in praying, there's uh, opportunities online. There's prayer points. We have an, an annual, uh, what we call Vapor Ministries Days, where there's a, a vapor famine and prayer points specific to that. Uh, for those that are interested in maybe going on a trip, you can find information on that. For those that are interested in giving, uh, we have a, a thing that we call Vapor 12 Partners. And those are people that say, hey, look, here's my $25 a month. Here's my $50 a month, my $100 a month. It's an open-ended monthly giving campaign. And right now, we actually have a gift match related to that. A few partners have come together. And so we have around $3,000 in matchable funds remaining, where if somebody gives $25, it now equals 50 and then, and then there's also other ways to give as well that are awesome. posted online. Awesome. Well, thank you, Micah, for sharing your story and sharing your life with those all around the world who are in desperate need of a new life, but also hoping the life that they're in now and taking the gospel and taking even food and basic necessities into difficult places. So thank you for responding to God's call in your life. And we thank God 
for Vapor Ministries. And we thank you for listening today. So as you, uh, as you go about the rest of your week and the rest of your time, we pray that you would live on mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions.